Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajj Assad, and with me as always is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. And we also have a special guest with us. I'd like to introduce Chad Kirchner from EV Pulse and a number of other publications. Chad, you too can say hi to the people. Say hi to the people. <laughs> can say so, hi to the people. Hello, everybody. Um, It's good to be back. I know he said introduce, but I feel like this is more of a reintroduction. Yeah, friend of the show, Chad Kirchner. A friend, yeah, friend, friend of the show in general. General nice guy who's typically a jerk. Hello. How are you guys? How how are things? How's podcast land? A podcast um, land is lonely, okay. Chad. It's lonely. It's very lonely. I'm sorry. Did I talk over everyone? I had to say that. <laughs> it's lonely in the dark void. Um, no, there's there's a lot going on. I, mean, I know that you, know, you said of EV Pulse and stuff like that. I think I think last time we chatted, I was sort of in the freelance world. Um, since then, um, I've kind of found a business partner. We launched an EV website. We bought a Porsche website at flatsixes.com. And there's just it's it's a busy time. And you've probably talked to one of my full time employees at this point recently. I think Stefan was on the show at some point. Yeah, he's been Somewhat. on the show. Uh, Bradley Brownell's been on the show too. Yeah, Brad's been on the show. It's like a it's like a self contained universe now. It's, <laughs> it is. It is. All roads yeah. lead back to Chad, or, or or they all lead back to the unnamed automotive podcast. Oh well, maybe. Oh well, maybe maybe. So uh, so yeah, I think it's. I think I kind of wanted to kind of. I mean, we got some really exciting stuff to talk about, but um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of talk about that and whatever. But I know. I know way more important than anything that I'm going to talk about is Ben and his Code 45 project. Well, it's, I yeah, don't Ben, know if, take it away. I don't know if I go that far. Uh, before, I guess, we get to the car stuff, I wanted to talk about something that's completely unrelated to cars. So you can feel free to disengage for the next 30 seconds if you are not into <laughs> comic books. Uh, the last two issues of my Code 45 graphic novel are going live at code-45.com on Kickstarter at June June 1st at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. You can pick up the entire series, uh, 1 to 5, and we're going to be offering a cool compiled version of the book that's there. It's about uh, a woman named Vanessa who works in subway tunnels beneath Montreal's city streets who finds out that the night shift is terrified of dragons that lurk in these subterranean caverns. And she has to figure out what's real and what's not and how it ties into a dark family secret of her own. So once again, that's code-45.com. You can pick up the full series at Kickstarter when it goes live on June 1st at 8 a.m. Very cool. All right, let's just get started talking about some cards. Um, Chad, we brought you onto the podcast today because, um, well, we've noticed something new on the EV Pulse website, and I was hoping that you could talk us through it a little bit. This, noticed, uh, no, noticed as in I pitched you. Hey, can I come on and talk about this? No, no Sammy is well, always on well, the site. He has this thing about being the first to use any functionality on the internet. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's very impressive. I, was, I find it I find it interesting that he finds time to, to get anything else done. It's, it's amazing the amount of time Sammy stuff. has. There's always new stuff on the internet. When he's um, not taking photos of waterfalls, he is surprisingly at a loose end. Um, he does have a story coming soon to EV Pulse as well. I just have to get it published. Basically. How much waterfall so, content is in that story? All of it. It's 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 ninety nine percent waterfalls. See, this is a and niche then, that needs to be explored. I'm yes, glad he know, has that ability to do that with you, Chad. Waterfallpulse.com. You know the, the latest and greatest in in flowing water design and details and 
whatever. And what's funny right? is Sammy actually sent me a news story just before the podcast. Uh, we, for those of you who aren't familiar with our waterfall talk and coverage, uh, a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago, Sammy went to a town called Hamilton in Ontario, which claims to be the waterfall capital of the world. He was driving a car there. What car was it, Sammy? Uh, it was the Infinity QX55. Okay, so he had the QX55 there. He did a whole story on it. It's gone live. It's it's kind of a big deal. And I say it's kind of a big deal because Hamilton is now apparently the least affordable city to live in in North America, pushing past Los Angeles. Is that correct, Sammy? It's close. I think it goes um, – I sent you this link. It's so ridiculous. Let me double check. Uh, but, yeah, it's in, there. it's in the top five there. Top five. Uh, so it, once again – did Sorry? he get the Sammy Hajasad bump? It's totally it the goes, Sammy Hajasad effect. Vancouver, Toronto, Hamilton, and then San Jose and LA. Wow. And it's all it's it's all waterfalls and Sammy together making people aware of the waterfalls. So Hamiltonians, Haligonians, I don't know how you say it. Uh you're welcome. Yeah, your property values have now increased because Sammy visited. Yeah. So why don't we talk about this uh, this new tool that oh, uh, you have on EV Pulse? I feel like we're just finding ways to not talk about it. Um, <laughs> we are, I think. <laughs> so uh, uh, one of the things that we wanted to do when my business partner and I wanted to start the EV Pulse website, which, again, both of you guys have work on there. Thank you. Um, is to find a way to educate, to, to kind of, I don't want to say dumb down, but to make the the idea of EVs and the transition to EVs approachable to people who may not be enthusiasts. Um, right now, it's there's not a lot of resource out there for those types of individuals where a lot of the sites, and not all of them, but a lot of the sites that have grown and are fan sites and some of their fans can even be kind of toxic. So we're trying to create an environment that's much more approachable. And one of the things that we wanted to do early on was to develop a set of tools that you could use um, to view which EVs are on sale, look at key specs that you know you might care about or you're more likely going to care about, um, and then be able to kind of compare those vehicles together. So um, part of what's, what's going to be an overall much more in-depth Learn EV module um, the the learn function has has launched on EV Pulse, so it's evpulse.com slash learn. Um, and right now, there's a few key EVs that are on sale there that you can view some specs for, compare side by side, stuff like that. Um, and it'll be growing fairly rapidly as we put input more data. It's very much a like Tesla Autopilot. Um, it is a very beta, hmm. but um, we've got a good development team that's kind of throwing things together and. In some ways, it's a it's a bit maybe cars dot com or an auto tradery sort of thing, but it's going to focus entirely on EVs and the the data and metrics and stuff that those people are going to that people interested in that are going to care about the most. So I'm, I'm taking a look at the site right now, and the thing I like the most about it, and I mentioned this to you just before we started recording, is the interface reminds me a lot of when I used to, when I used to, when I would be selecting a car in a video game, and it had the easy to understand specs on one side, the picture of the car on the other, and then all my customization customization options underneath. And I just find it's like a really intuitive interface that I think a lot of people who are currently in the market for a car can easily understand, and it looks way better than what I've seen on a lot of other websites. And I have not paid him to say that. Um... Our, our, we, we have a very good development team that we work with, and Joe, who's the, the graphics sort of designer, um, was the one who originally came up with most of this layout. So um, 
he's he tries to be as user focused as as possible um i definitely like the the font choices and stuff that they went with um but what's cool about the the customizer is one you can go see a car spin hey you can see 360 that's cool (laughs) um a bunch of detailed interior and exterior photos of each car um in a very consistent way so it's done in a studio well lit you're going to be able to see what you want to see um and then we also have the ability to view the car from multiple angles in every color that the manufacturer supports in those color names so the model 3 isn't a great example because it's just red multi-coat but if they had some sort of strange you know fire red or whatever like it would show you those in that color actually on the car so um there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the back end to make that happen that'll bore all of your readers or listeners i mean i'm sorry but um yeah it's it's cool i appreciate that feedback um it's just only going to grow at this point um you can select multiple trims. You can view if it's you know if it's all wheel drive, front wheel drive, rear wheel drive. How many people it'll hold? Uh, cargo space, maximum range, some kind of geeky performance stuff like zero to sixty and top speed and stuff. But mainly then also the price, and you can sort by all of those, and you can filter out cars that are either over or under a price, over or under a range, etc. So it's cool. Um, yeah. You should you should check it out i guess if i can <laughs> promote myself um and definitely appreciate any feedback there's a email address on the ev pulse website that uh you can send some stuff to and just yeah like um there's already a few things that we know we need to switch up and change that we're working on but any and all feedback is appreciated so it's um, this is a chance, yeah, it's a chance for people to kind of get in on the ground floor and, and help chat out with the site or sorry, specifically with this feature for the site. And also you kind of learn something along the way uh, if you're like me and don't have all of the EV facts in your head on a Rolodex at all times. Yes. And I mean, I'll take feedback on anything related to the site or the show or the products we're about to talk about. So <laughs> and speaking of things we're about to talk about, Sammy, every time I'm on here, you're in a Mercedes. Are you in a Mercedes this week? No, not me this time. Oh, I it's think it's, it's going to Ben this week. Yeah, we flip-flopped oh. it for you, Chad. Whoa. Yeah. In fact, I don't even want to talk about the car that I have this week, which is a GMC Terrain. It's just going to be overshadowed by Ben's Mercedes talk. So, so. Sammy just wants to throw shade on GMC and <laughs> perhaps... We're going to protect GMC from that content, at least this week. Maybe cool. next week I can get into it. Uh, so I was in a Mercedes, uh, specifically though, it was a Mercedes AMG and even more specific than that, it was a AMG 63 S coupe. Uh, and even more specific than that, it was a GLE. So it wasn't actually a coupe in anything other than name. Okay. So this is a, this is a, um, a muddled description of the vehicle. The GLE 63 S coupe. Is how do you even describe this thing? Is it so, a full size? Imagine an SUV, and then yeah. imagine a giant hand squeezing it at the end, and <laughs> then it, yeah, yeah, and like squishing the roof down so that you have to duck when you're inside the rear seat or when you're loading cargo, and that's basically what the GLE Coupe is. It is a less practical version of the standard GLE, which is a very useful SUV. It exists only. I mean, I think the primary reason this vehicle exists in this format is to flash conspicuous consumption, uh, which is, you know, fine for its its demographic. This It costs 116000 as a starting price. 
So anyone who's buying this vehicle, that's what's interesting about it is anyone who buys this vehicle is making a very specific choice because you could have gotten the regular GLE, but instead you went for the coupe, which is less useful in every way, but just as fast. So no one's buying this by accident. No one's being forced into this vehicle. It's something that exists because people want it. Uh, I personally find the look of the vehicle to be polarizing, and I've been surprised. That's such a nice way of putting it. That's such a... That's so unfair because, I mean, I think we have opinions on the X4, uh, the X6 or something, which is another uh, vehicle in this body style. Um, the Q8, I think, has a similar body style. We can even go into things like, I don't know, I think maybe the Lamborghini Urus has this kind of weird coupe-like profile or however they want to describe it. I don't think it looks like a coupe from the profile. That's ridiculous. But the reason I use Polarizing Sammy is because I encountered many people who loved it. Oh my god, they're confused. They I must had, be in love with the noise it makes, No, right? no, no. I had people specifically reference how good it looked. And I don't know whether it was, that was because of the bright red paint. Or just, you know, from the front end, it looks like a GLE, a normal GLE. But there were people who loved it. There were people who hated it. So it's not just me who's not totally down with the look. Uh, Chad, what do you think? Have you? What it's, do you think of the, of the coupe idea from Mercedes in, in this SUV format? It's not as ugly as the first gen X6, which okay. I thought was, which I thought I personally thought was hideous. Um, I pulled up the Mercedes site now just to give you my absolute freshest, hottest take. Um, it's okay. Like the rear three quarter view, I think it looks a little like a coupe that got stung by a bee and has kind of swollen up a bit. Yeah, it's 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 um, the proportions of the vehicle that I think yeah. are odd. It's not so much that it's. I mean, the truncate the truncated nature of it. Yes, I mean it. It's not – you can tell that this vehicle wasn't designed to look like this. You can tell no. they designed the GLE and then they were like, let's make a coupe too. And What I what I think is interesting though, and you mentioned it only briefly because of, of Sammy's trip to Waterfall Land, was I actually like how the QX55 looks mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. – as, not a coupe, but you know these coupe thingies. Um, so I think that at least visually, I think that it can be done – Tasteful. In a way, in a yeah. way that I find appealing, I don't think this is as bad as some of the stuff that I've seen. But <laughs> I would, I, I it, it, it doesn't look good enough to me to justify giving up all of that space. Yeah. So there's there's a few things about what you just said. I kind of want to explore. I agree that there are some versions of this idea that work better than others, and I think that where the GLE kind of doesn't pull it off as well is because it's so huge. And, right. if, you know, the, the, the... It looks exaggerated, right? The QX55 is a small vehicle. Uh, we like the X2, which is essentially a hot hatch, but it claims yep. to be kind of an SUV crossover coupe as well. But when you start getting big like the X6 and the GLE, you, you can't look away from it. Like, it's it's so... <laughs> the presence is so overwhelming. And then you throw in the fact that it's got the AMG flares and the bright red brakes and all the other stuff going on. It, it totally attracts your attention at all times. So you're kind of forced to look at it and you're forced to look at it in a plus size format. And I think that definitely takes away from it. Well, and I think that it's also more ridiculous in these larger um, vehicles because why do you buy a GLE? Do you buy it for the space? You need the space, right? Like, well, okay. You know, but a GLE or a GLS or any of these larger mm-hmm. SUVs, like you're buying a large SUV because you need it for some reason. Exactly. Um, outside, of, outside of the G-Wagon. So I don't get the point of taking a large SUV 
and making it worse and charging more for it. I completely agree with you. And I think that there is no point to it. I think that it is completely a style choice. This is right. people buy this because they like the look or they like the image or whatever. So we're going to be approaching this vehicle from outside the perspective of someone who would buy it. Okay. <laughs> okay. How does it drive though? I mean, like, yeah, exactly. is it, okay. So when it is, you have that AMG badge and you have that motor uh, under the hood that changes things, right? Yeah, that's it's a, a real AMG and it's a real AMG, right? Cause it's the 63. It is. It's it's a hand assembled motor. It's the first time that the GLE Coupe is getting the four liter bi turbo motor that has six hundred and three horsepower and six hundred and twenty seven pound feet of torque. It is extremely fast. It does zero to sixty in three point four seconds. I want to point out that's faster than Porsche Carrera S, which oh, is man. totally crazy because this thing weighs almost five thousand pounds. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Well, in two or three years, if that's going to be a lightweight. Yeah, yeah it's, maybe it's, it's true. It's true. It does as zero. To, it does zero to sixty in three point four seconds, but it does the quarter mile in under twelve, which is Insane. again totally nuts. It, there, there's a couple things that are crazy about that. This is a huge truck. Okay, so it weighs a ton. It's big. It's not aerodynamic. It is super fast. Second, um, no one needs to be that quick in a vehicle of this size. Like, there's no pressing need. No one is going to go to the racetrack with this vehicle. It's never going to happen. So you're really kind of picking it up, I think, for the drama of of the experience of accelerating it that quickly. It's It has a very loud exhaust system, which you can turn on and off, which is nice. Um, if you want to take is a it, corner... Wait, is it a real exhaust system, or is it one of those performance sound pleasure things? It's, it's a real exhaust system, <laughs> judging by how startled everyone was every time I turned on the vehicle. Like, everyone within a 500-foot radius... But uh, <laughs> I love that. I love I love the idea of people being spooked. Well, like, what was that? Uh, Especially they, like if you cold start it, like that's the best. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the, it, it, it's not the loudest cold. Like compared to the M5 competition from a couple of weeks ago, that was a okay. very loud cold start. This one is it. It kind of walks the line between yeah, I'm going to irritate my neighbors, but no, they're probably not going to bring it up at the HOA meeting. You know, like it's. It's okay. it's semi modest. It's one of the only modest things about this vehicle. <laughs> here's 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 my question then for you, uh, sir. Is I mean, trying to put myself in the mindset of somebody who has what one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars to kind of blow on a car. Um, having driven some pretty fast cars in a straight line throughout my career, and my business partner has a Model Three, that gets boring. Like genuinely, like just quick acceleration in a straight line i find boring now i'm not necessarily saying that that needs to be fixed with like cornering or driving to manix or or track stuff but is this car a laugh does it make you does it make you smile or is it because i i can i can tolerate a car like this if it sort of makes you giggle or makes you laugh or makes you sort of enjoy the driving experience in some way maybe not on the track obviously but just in some sort of an intangible way well does I, this card does this card do that i actually want to build on that a little bit because i think there are a, a bunch of high performance suvs that are that are enjoyable without being serious um and i think you know we've talked about the jeep srts and track hawks that are kind of, uh, they're goofy, like they're silly cars, right? right. Um, and I want to know whether or not this vehicle has that same feeling or if it takes itself way too seriously um, and can't be enjoyable in that way. So I have a nuanced answer to both of those questions. The first thing I'll say is that compared to an EV like the Model 3 that is extremely quick in a straight line, 
the way they're quick is very different. Um, you don't really have any drama in an electric vehicle when you mash the pedal. You get the drama is there in the sense that you're being catapulted towards your death because it's so fast. But you don't <laughs> right. have like a loud roar. You don't have the gear changes. You don't have the the exhaust blatting out as you shift. Uh, it's it's a different kind of thing. So in that respect. The GLE 63S is more interesting in a straight line, but I agree with you, Chad, in the sense that going fast in a straight line over and over and over can be dull if there's nothing else about the vehicle that interests interests you. I have to say that there's no other aspect of this vehicle that is engaging. Um, okay. It will turn a corner relatively quickly. It has great grip. It's got a whole bunch of drive modes. Um that, you know, you can go from sport to sport plus to race, which is hilarious. Uh, and the transmission shifts, okay, I guess. It's got a manual function if you want to do that thing with the flippers on the pad, the, sorry, the paddles on the steering wheel. But it, it's never fun. It's never like I never got in the car and I was like, all right, we're going to drive now. It's like you smile to yourself when you go really fast and it makes a loud noise. And yeah, that's, that's, that's fun. But like, I never really felt a connection with the car. Um, you don't really connect with the road either. So it's very filtered in terms of the driving experience you're getting. There's a ton of electronic stuff going on with differentials and the all-wheel drive system and like a trick suspension. It's got a an active roll control system. It's got adaptive shocks and, and springs and whatever you want to call it. Everything on the vehicle is, has been programmed to deliver a specific experience. And nothing about that is something that an enthusiast would enjoy, I think. Mm. So it's a super comfortable vehicle, though. So I want to balance that. So everything I just said about the stupid, crazy speed of it, it if you leave it in comfort mode and, and aren't, don't go crazy with your with your right foot, you're not going to notice that it's super powerful. You're going to be able to do everything you want to do in true Mercedes fashion, except maybe be comfortable in the second row seating if you're tall. And uh, I think that's kind of the argument for this vehicle. It's like... Well, you're going to commute with it most of the time, and it won't be a problem if you have an unlimited gas budget. And if you want to unwind and scare someone at a stoplight, you can do that too. So it's basically so a smart, savvy customer that maybe likes this design and look and wants it could probably get away with something other than the 63. But well, yeah, if you want, but if you want, if you have to have the top of the trim of everything because that's just who you are, then. That's why this car exists. Yeah, that's so somebody, so, so somebody can give Mercedes more money. Definitely, the reason this car exists is for people who have to have the most expensive version of X. Uh, the the GLE fifty three, I believe, uh, is four hundred twenty nine horsepower. So there's a considerable difference, but you know, it's hard. I haven't driven it. It's hard to say what it would be like given the huge weight of this vehicle. <laughs> uh, the, there's there's one more thing I want to mention though about the drivetrain in the sixty three S that I I kind of skipped over. And part of that amazing 0 to 60 ability is because it has the new 48-volt EQ system that gives it 182 pound-feet of torque, I think, immediately off the line. And wait, wait. You're telling me the system that allows for the suspension to bob up and down like a, like a lowrider also has some actual tangible benefit, like performance? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm not talking about the suspension at all. But I believe that 48 volt uh, like electrical system is what allows that suspension yeah. uh, to to active body control. I think it was called. Right? I I have no idea. Um, I did not. I did not. 
experience or I, I think that's one of the <laughs> dumbest gimmicks in the history of gimmicks so i didn't it is. but it is. i i will and it's s- amazing it's all over tiktok with people doing lowrider stuff with it and it's hilarious but i will say that the torque that you get from that uh that battery powered system it's 184 pound feet it's amazing um wow. it's there because mercedes wanted there to be a smooth transition between the auto start stop system and the turbos spooling up so mm-hmm. you can't – it doesn't actually add torque while you're driving. You're never going to like get you know, another 184 pound-feet in the middle of accelerating while you're on the highway. But the 184 pound-feet that kicks in off the line bridges the gap between stopped and screaming, and it does a really good job. And I think that's something that is going to be over – it's called EQ Boost, and it's going to be overlooked by – um, most buyers because it's so transparent. But I think it's a key aspect of this vehicle that you don't see in BMW's version of this, like the X6M, for example. Well, and start-stop events are, are typically terrible. And, I mean, this is, and this is not. So, right. and, and you're right in the sense that, you know, the bigger the engine, the more noticeable the start-stop because not only does it vibrate more, but it's louder, right? right. So you go from nothing to, to a whole lot of something very quickly. Wow. Um, okay, then then talk to me beyond the powertrain and the performance of this thing. Tell me a little bit more about the interior then. It's standard Mercedes. I mean, everything mm. that you'd want from a luxury car is there, with one glaring exception. And this is something that shocked me. Um, there was no active safety in the vehicle I drove. Nothing. There was no adaptive cruise control. There was no lane keeping. There was Wait, no... What? Zip zero. Uh, it had blind spot monitoring, but that's a passive system. I, I dove into the build sheet for the vehicle. It turns out there is a $1,900 safety package that adds all of that stuff. So you're paying $116,000 for a vehicle that does not come with features that are standard on, I guess, a, a Toyota Honda Yaris. Civic or a Toyota, a Toyota Yaris. Yaris. I was That's shocked wild. by that. It's, it's, I, I can't believe that any of these are built without it. Like It feels like that option package would be standard and they just make you pay for it. So I don't well, know. And then- and then how do they how do they put it in the media fleet without that? It's, That's even what's crazier to me. It's very crazy. It, I found out when I was trying to use the cruise control system on the highway, and I was like, this thing is not slowing down. <laughs> what's going on? Why can't I set a gap? I looked everywhere inside the vehicle to find those options, and then finally I realized it must not have it because it didn't have anything you would expect from that type of, of uh, safety system. Reminds me of the first time I drove a, a DB11, which was my first Aston that I've driven, and I thought for sure that with all of the Mercedes tech that there was adaptive cruise. So I'm like, hey, I'm just going to use the adaptive cruise. And then I, I, I caught it before I rear the car in front of me, but um, I got a lot closer than I think I should have. It's definitely <laughs> shocking. There's, a, there's one other thing about the vehicle that I didn't like that much. It has the um, – the, what's it called? M-Bucks, Sammy? Yeah, M-Box. M-Box. The M- new infotainment system. So it's got a giant screen across the dashboard, and it re- relies on a super sensitive... It's, 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 is it like... I'm trying to remember if it's like a touchpad or not. <laughs> uh, I, I, I blocked this part of my mind out. Sorry, I well, blocked this... Well, there's these two... Thumb pads on the steering wheel that control the infotainment system and the gauge cluster. Right? Yeah, and there's a, there's like a kind of a a, a system that um, allows you to do the same on the center console, mm-hmm. and it's touchpad. I think. Yeah, it's it's not as bad as the touchpads from like Mercedes and and sorry from Lexus and Acura that we've been complaining about, uh, but. The the problem is the menus on Mbox are quite complicated, 
And they don't make sense, do no. they? Like things don't uh, don't when you're looking for a feature, you can't find it particularly in the right subcategory, right? Is so, that because they want? Is that because they want you to hey Mercedes your way out of it? Like I maybe. I can't tell. So this this touchpad, I'm not a fan of it. Luckily, most of the most of the stuff on Mbox, you're swiping side to side, so it's not terrible. You don't often have to go up and down and and do other things with the touchpad. Still, not great. But there was a feature that I had that was turned on in the vehicle where every time I would pull up to a stop, it would show me the a video view of this of the area directly in front of the vehicle. Like for Which no makes reason. no sense. If you're looking outside the windshield, you would see whatever's happening right now, yeah, right? Exactly. So I was like, okay, I want to disable this. Obviously, it's not a feature I want to use because it takes over the whole screen. So if you're listening to the radio, you want to change channels, you can't do anything until you close that menu or sorry, that screen and then go back to whatever menu you're on. So I go into the system settings, I look at all the camera angle stuff, I look at all the parking assist stuff. It's not anywhere. I can't find it. It turns out I had to go into the navigation system because it's something. Oh, yeah. I forgot that cameras are in Mac. That's great. It's something called red light assist. And it's supposed to show you make like if you're too close to the red light, I guess it gives you a view of like shoots up and you can see when the light turns. Now, it's in the navigation system. That's where that option is. There's never in a million years would I have found that without a Google search and going into a Mercedes Benz forum where other people were complaining about the same feature. Um, So here's a much more important question. I'm sorry. It'll make sense when I ask it. But. You're telling me that instead of just making a windshield that you can see the traffic light out of, Mercedes-Benz was like, no, no, that would be way too easy. We got to have a camera that just looks at the traffic light. I'm going to further shock you by saying instead of having a rear pillar that I could see out of, Mercedes-Benz gives you the tiniest window in the world for the GLE and then expects you to somehow parallel park it with ease. That was also problematic. It is a tiny little porthole back there. I was not impressed with that aspect of it. So um, there's another way. I later found another version of the menu that let me disable that camera. So there's two ways to do it, and neither of them are obvious. The other aspect of the touchpad I didn't like, if I wanted to change music, like if I'm listening on my phone, I want to skip a track, instead of having hard buttons that let you do that, at the top of the touchpad, there's these two arrows, and you swipe one way twice, or swipe the other way twice, and it'll skip. Or if you push it too hard, it'll bring up a sub-menu that also only lets you skip with a single touch push. I just want some buttons, man. I just want to... I just want some buttons. Anyway... So Mbox is not impressive. Uh, I I struggled to see what why I would want this system. It doesn't look particularly much better than anything else in the market. I guess it's functional, but at the same time, it overly complicated. And we complained about the Mazda a couple of weeks ago about how their system, their infotainment was complicated with the little knob and many different choices. I think Mbox is right up there in terms of just not being intuitive at all. It's finicky, right? Like it's yeah. almost too, there's too many options, there's too many features. A red light assist function doesn't seem like th- something that I'm, I don't know. I, I'm, I, need now, to I, like the I need to wait for a listener to chime in and be like, I definitely need help looking at red light. <laughs> so, so, okay. So I had a, um, I had a Honda S2000 at one point in my life. If the top was up and I parked at most retainer lines, I couldn't see the traffic light. So I'd have but to stop. That's a sports behind. car with that super um, raked. Like, first of all, right. Chad, why and, is and the top I, up? 
Yeah, that's yeah, well, the real. Okay. Um, that's the real user fail here. If if, if if it would have had one of those uh, mini openometers, it still would have been on greater than ninety percent open. All so right, all right. whatever. Um, with Audi right now, and I think that you can also get it in the Lamborghini Urus. Um, I'm not sure about the Porsches, but it actually has a red light assist that can talk to the traffic lights. So the traffic lights in certain cities are broadcasting information, and then on the instrument cluster, it'll show you how many seconds you have until the light turns green. Now, I find that useful, but I don't need a camera looking at the traffic light. What I want is a camera that te- is a, a red light that tells me all of its secrets. Can right. can that <laughs> communication facilitate that kind of exchange of information that maybe the, you know, the traffic light is not comfortable posting in a public forum? Yeah, I think Constantly. secret infrastructure to vehicle communication is probably the most important. Actually, you know what? I have had some cars that tell you when you like they say it out loud that you're driving through a school zone or there's a red light camera ahead or something like right. that. I'm like, I don't need to worry about a red light camera if I'm drive like if I'm a normal driver, right? Like, I don't know why I need to know know that at that specific well, moment in time. Yeah, but imagine so, you pull up to a red light and, and it just goes, you just hear this voice go, I'm so sad. And then you're like, <laughs> wait, who said that? And then the traffic light says, never mind. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe I don't need to admit this in a public forum, but I grew up, I grew up and live sort of in the Midwest in the U.S. And let's just say that I know people who will – maybe creep past the retainer line or if they're out in the middle of the nowhere have not stop at all or slow down and creep through or not come to a complete stop. I think it's useful. I think it's useful to have the idea of a red light camera notification because if you don't come to a complete stop, if you roll through it, when you're making that right on red, you're going to get, you're going to get done. You're going to get dinged. And Waze has had that functionality for quite a long time. Right. Right. Well, you want to talk about useless notifications, guys, though. I don't know if you've ever driven with Google Maps and entered a new – I don't know if it does it in Canada. But when you enter a new state in the United States, it'll say, welcome to Michigan. Like that is completely useless. No, that's, but that's friendly. Welcome, like, welcome I, to Ohio. And I mean no one in Ohio is going to welcome us, right, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> that's – you know, that's very true. That's correct. <laughs> that is That is very, very – Correct. So, so bottom line for me, GLE 63S Coupe, very fast, not the model I would buy. I would get the regular GLE. If you're buying this, it's just for style points. I did move a bunch of stuff with it, and we had problems. We could not fit as much as we wanted inside of it because the hatch won't close unless it's completely free to do so. So if you have boxes that are kind of edging towards the glass or towards the edge of the lip of the hatch, you're going to have problems with that. So I I make mine practical. Like Sammy said, if I'm going to get a big vehicle, I'm going to use the vehicle's bigness to my advantage. I'm not going to have the bigness be a liability. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually want to talk about something that Chad said earlier, and he called this a real AMG um, in relation to the hand-built 4-liter twin-turbo V8. There is another version of the GLE AMG, which is, I think it's called a 53? Yeah, we were talking about it earlier. I don't know if you were listening to the podcast when we were doing that. but (laughs) Now, the, the question I have is... Is there is there still like is there enough personality in that sixty three that overshadows the fifty three? Yeah, of course. I, I think that they're two dramatically different experiences, and I say that not having driven the fifty three. <laughs> Even when you said it- there's no reason for an SUV to be this fast. Right, because the fifty three has so much less power, yet still has the same weight. So I struggle to see okay. how the experience could be as interesting. For your listeners at home. 
the AMG GLE 53 Coupe is 76.5. So it is, and, you know, 40 grand less. <laughs> oh, wait, is, oh, wait. Is, is, is that extra, what, 429 to 603, is, is that almost 200, power, 200 horsepower worth 40 grand? Well, you're also getting the EQ boost, which I'm not sure you get with the 53. Uh, no, this vehicle, from any value standpoint, does not make any sense at all. But if, if in a world where you have to choose between this and a regular GLE, I still don't think you choose this. The, fi- the 53 does have EQ boost on it the 3 liter. Yeah. Okay, so, you know... I don't think you buy either of them. That's <laughs> I, I can't I can't so I can't recommend this vehicle. I mean, this is something you buy because you like the styling. I don't like the styling. I don't think it's hideous, but I don't think it's attractive. And there are so many choices at the six figure mark for SUVs and you know much better vehicles that are not SUVs. So it's hard to understand why you would want this unless you really want it. And if you really want it, then it's not a rational decision, and it doesn't matter because right. you're you're gonna go with your heart. I think right, right, right. at hundred. I think right at one hundred and sixteen, it reminds me a lot of the um, X seven M fifty i. Oh, the X seven is such a good SUV. Yeah, I want to say that was one hundred and fourteen, the one that I had tested. So, you know, three three usable rows, five zone climate control, super comfy. It sounded perfectly fine to me, and a super um, nice interior too. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I just, again, that's not one of these coupe sort of design things, but I think if you're going to buy a big SUV, like, you're buying it because you need to use it for SUV stuff, and I really liked that, that BMW. So that would be my pick if I'm going over that, that 100000 Yeah, there, there's there, there's so many other decisions, you know? It's right. just, right. it's hard to make a case for it. So um, moving on, I also wanted to uh, have a chat on the podcast because something very special just debuted. Um, it's the new F-150 from Ford. It's called the Lightning. Um, and this is an all-electric pickup truck. Chad, so can be- you help me with this? Yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you some details on that. But I have a feeling that Ben's going to be like, they shouldn't have called it Lightning. I don't care, honestly, at uh, this point. <laughs> I'm so by name. I'm really. so post-branding. <laughs> If they want to do the Maki Lightning Edition, go ahead. It does. It. I have no opinion on it. <laughs> I think. I think they could. You know, it, when are we going to start seeing Night Editions? I mean, we haven't seen those from Ford in a long time. Um, right, yeah. If they could bring back those cool Bronco Rainbow graphics from the seventies, I'd like to see that too. But well, other we're getting than that, the, we're we're getting this Timberline Edition Explorer, but not. Eddie Bauer, like, can we get the Eddie Bauer? What are we getting? The, yeah, or the Timbaland edition, which is just Timbo, banging, yeah, banging beats all the time. Missy Elliott's a spokesperson. It would be pertinent. Mm-hmm. All right, we've we've solved all of Ford's problems. Um, no, so F one fifty Lightning is the, I guess, long awaited entry from Ford into the battery electric pickup truck. Um, mm-hmm. All of. Unlike the original Lightning, which was a version of the F-150 you could get with a supercharged V8 at one point and a manual transmission and regular cab and all of that, um, it's now an electric lineup. Um, so every every electric F-150 is called Lightning, even though there's trims all the way from a base trim that's currently unnamed um, through Are we going to sue, pla- Sammy? Are we going to sue the unnamed base trim? <laughs> no, I think, we, oh, I think we should let it slide. All right. Sorry to interrupt um, I mean, when this when this episode actually drops, it might be named, but um, at this point, it's unnamed. And basically, they're all crew cab, five and a half foot bed trucks. But what's interesting mm-hmm. is, um, 
I mean, everything about it's really interesting. So the truck itself comes, all the trucks come with all-wheel drive. A dual motor is sort of the EV nomenclature for calling them that. Um, Motor in the front, motor in the back. They're both internal. They're enclosed so they can handle the weather and and mud and rocks and stuff like that. Um, Dual motor, standard range battery. It's good for approximately 230 miles. Um, uh, Horsepower and torque, I don't really remember. I want to say torque torque 775 foot-pounds on all versions. Um, The standard range one is 400 and mid 400s in terms of horsepower um it starts and then it starts what the interesting is it starts at um 39 i believe is the okay. or 974 i'm sorry is the starting number that's before the destination delivery ford hasn't announced dnd yet but um so basically 40 grand pre-tax credit for an electric pickup truck that can do pickup truck things unlike the Cybertruck, which isn't out yet, but also carries that that same starting price, is only a single motor, only rear-wheel drive, um, does a few extra miles than the Ford will do, but generally speaking, is that would be the direct comparison. We have no idea when we'll see that truck, so then there's no tax credit there. And also, I want to point out for the Cybertruck, no dealership network, no technicians, difficult yeah. warranty repairs, right. all that. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll be able to buy the F one fifty EV, the Lightning, pretty much pretty much everywhere, um, and all the dealers that sell it will be able to service it. Um, and that's a big deal if you do truck stuff with a truck. Yes, right. absolutely. Uh, there, there's a long range or extended range battery um, that boosts your range to three hundred miles, um, increases the horsepower to five hundred and twenty six. I want to say so into the mid five hundreds, um, low to mid five hundreds. And then also um, has a zero to 60 of roughly four and a half seconds. So um, a quick truck for sure. What is fascinating about all that is that it's like all the specs are right. That starting price at 40 grand is actually kind of, is really kind of impressive for, you know, a dual motor kind of setup. Um, But it does everything that the F-150 currently does well. So it has all the built-in work tools. It has the the folding console, and it has the, the, you can put your laptop out in a workspace. It has the option for the, the, the tailgate topper that allows you to cut wood and stuff on it, plywood and, and stuff like that. It has an onboard generator. All of them have the 9.6 9.6 kilowatt generator, which I want to come back to because I think that's actually something that a lot of people haven't talked about yet. But 9.6 kilowatt generator, um, it has uh, you can get it with Blue Cruise, which will be the eventual hands off um, highway driving assistant like mm. Super Cruise. Um, it does all of that, but now it has lockable storage. It has um, 400 liters of lockable storage in the front trunk. Or front wow. boot if you're British. 400 liters, which is... 400 liters. And, I can, and it can handle 400 pounds in that trunk, too. Yeah, that's, 400, that's, that's pounds, four, yep, 400 pounds, 400 liters, um, which Ford says is two carry-on bags and one over an or one checked bag, or two sets of golf clubs. That's pretty decent. Or, or decent amount of quick, quick crete if you're, you know, like an actual construction person. But, um... It's lockable and drainable, so you could load it with ice. To be, there's a 2.4 kilowatt plug up front, so if you wanted to hook a TV up when you're tailgating, you could do all of that. So this is the first time Ford has had lockable, waterproof storage outside of the cab. Um, plus, you get the full plus you get the full cab and all of the the cool stuff that makes the Ford interiors 
very useful. The full, completely fold flat seat, stuff like that. Um, but then you also still have, and I know it's only a five and a foot, half foot bed, but because you get all that additional front lockable storage, that pretty much leaves the rest of the bed for, you know, either upfits or for storage or for anything like that. And, so, and you, did you mention um, tow rating, Chad? Um, certain packages you'll be able to will have two thousand pounds of payload. The max tow package will have up to ten thousand pounds, and that's about so, a, a thousand pounds less than the Rivian truck, I believe. Right, the Rivian's is claiming eleven thousand pounds. Um, their truck is technically a midsize, okay. so they gave out the specs and said that it's a midsize, so it competes more with a Gladiator than it would with an F one hundred and fifty. But yeah, it's it's a thousand pounds less. Um, they, I know Rivian has gone to Davis Dam with it, so that probably will be close to their SAE spec. Neither one of these have their SAE specs tested mm. yet, but um, the. Uh, the cool thing is, like, the onboard scale stuff and things that Ford just recently announced for their gas trucks, um, you can also get with the electrics. So what Ford is trying to do with range, because Rivian has said that when they went to Davis Dam, um, a max tow, uh, the R1T lost about 40% of range wow. by towing that trailer. By towing that trailer. So... I would assume something similar with F-150. Um, what Ford is trying to do to give you the most accurate range prediction possible is they're taking their standard sort of range prediction algorithm. They're using the GPS to determine to determine height. They're determining hills and stuff along your drive route, which Tesla does with their stuff. Um, weather, it's going to take into consideration ambient temperature. Um, and it'll also take into consideration how much you're towing and how much weight's in the cab. So it's using the, the onboard scales to... In part of the week, in part of the range calculation. So, so, so sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I was just going to say. So, assuming they did all the math correctly, this should be one of the most accurate range calculators in the business. I I want to say something that I think might be obvious, but yep. Ford is clearly losing a ton of money on every one of these vehicles. Yes, they have to be, or or they're. I mean, some of the stuff they're amortizing through other vehicles. Yeah, like, for sure. Like, I think that the the fantastic success of the F series platform in general is what's funding this model, and I think that's yeah. interesting in the sense that Tesla can't do that. And sure. That's and neither can Rivian, which is why Rivian's right. price is so much higher than than the, I believe Rivian starts at seventy five. I want to say. Yeah, Rivian I would consider a premium offering, which I know doesn't make sense when you can get the F-150 Lightning and a Platinum, but that base $40,000 um, F-150 is vinyl interior. It's it's going to be that work truck kind of offering. Um, and the thing is, if you compare that to a base XL you know, 2.7 liter EcoBoost... Which is like, about twenty five grand, right? Um, close to thirty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, with a 2.7 anyway, once you get out of that base engine. But like... These this, these trucks are priced extremely close to their gasoline competitors or gasoline options within the lineup, um, which I think is fascinating. And I know I'm sure Ford. I can't say that Ford's losing money on each truck they sell because that seems silly, but their margins have to be compared to what they are on a regular pickup truck have to be significantly smaller. But, but, you know, when I say that they're losing money, though, I'm not trying to shame Ford because... No, no, no. Because what Ford's doing is they're buying market share. 
Right. And that is a smart investment. So if they lose $5,000 on a base truck and that buyer continues to buy um, electric F-150s in the future, or more importantly, gets an electric F-150 on the road that someone else sees and then buys, I mean, that is the value of that is, is, is calculated into this. Yes. And what I would also, and so, I mean, it's like, it's basically everything that makes the F-150 great. And I think the 20, the 2021 updates to F-150 have made it the best pickup truck you can buy. Um, there are reasons why you'd buy the Ram and there's reasons why you'd buy the GM products over it for specific things. But in terms of just well-rounded, intelligent, thought through process, the F-150 is tough to beat. And now the F-150, the Lightning, I think is the best version of the truck. I, I would love yes, to get. I would love a single cab version of this truck. If it was same. available, I think I would potentially be in the market for it. Yeah, of the of same. the Lightning or of any F one of the Lightning because wow. a four door is just too big for me. It is a hassle yeah. to drive where I live, and I don't need it. So um, I like everything else about the vehicle and the the, the format. Of I, I mean, the practicality is there for me, but just, you know, I need yeah. a single cab. And Ford, no one wants to sell single cab pickups anyway, so I doubt we'll see right. one of the Lightning. So um, the, what I mean, I w- the, real, the real question upon the debut of this is, are we re- is the world ready for a, um, an electric pickup truck, right? Like at this scale, we're at about, this price. We're about to find out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean that's that's the thing. Like, Sammy, I don't know if I have a good answer for you. I mean, I cover a lot of pickup trucks in my slightly past life. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk a lot about EVs and stuff now, but I don't have a great answer for you because this is the first time that a mass-produced, like, genuinely best-selling vehicle in the country, and, like, produced like vehicle an, is available with a value with a price right. tag that is like approachable like really right. approachable yeah so this is the biggest segment with a price that is comparable to the gas other gas versions with value that's genuinely baked in um you don't have to do maintenance maintenance is so it's non-existent it's virtually non-existent and, and um, you have to imagine toyota is just i mean if you were if you were at toyota right now and you're involved in the tundra program and you see ford do this before you do it and yeah. you had a chance should... to revive that truck and make it relevant again, and now yep. you're going to be second to market if you ever make that decision. I mean, yep. come on. No, no. And what would I don't think by truck. You mean? Yeah, I'm and so... I don't think Tundra. I don't think Tundra's going to have it. I don't think they're going to. There's going to be a Bev option. So, the, yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how. From yesterday on, you announce a new pickup truck that's not Bev because th- that has it at least as an option. Because the biggest player in town has said. We're doing it. They're throwing the money into it. They, I mean, the gauntlet has been has been thrown. Like it's it's, and we're we're sure that this is not like a limited production. This is not like a compliance of some kind. So we're spending hundreds of millions on a plant to make this. So yes, now <laughs> I, I would imagine that they're limited by their ability to make batteries and. And I, I believe there's I mean, a chip shortage currently that's there impacting is. their sales there, right now. There, there is, there is, but. I, I, dude, I, if nobody buys this, then this country is just never going to, it's never going to go to it because this is, I think this is the right product to really see if we're ready and infrastructure isn't great yet. It's getting better every day, but what's amazing, what Ford's really smart about 
adding all this extra value into the BEV that I don't see why you would buy a comparable gas version over it because you get more stuff for your money. It's just um, that range question will come up with people's right. minds. 230 miles sounds limiting. 300 at its at its most seems kind of limiting too. But I guess can those you, are... Can you, can you hold your bladder for 300 miles? No, but it, the real problem with range is going to be towing, towing. because if it yeah, is, yeah. you know, if you, if you have 120 miles of tow range... That's going to be irritating because very yep. few people tow a short distance. Right. I mean, there's there's two kinds of towers uh, in my mind. There's people who tow their boat to their cottage, which is maybe not that far away, or they tow a horse trailer somewhere to in the country that's not that far away. And then there's people who tow a race car five hours, or they tow yep. a, a utility trailer to a job site that maybe is far away. That So you have these... Towing is not just one use case. Right, correct. So some people Absolutely. are going to be okay with it, and other people, if you're towing ten thousand pounds, I mean, you want and to be able to. And a lot of people. Sorry, go on. No, I'm going to say I was just going to add on to the towing. Another problem with an EV towing is most charging stations are not designed to be pull through yeah, with a trailer. Right. That's a really so, great point. So how many people are going to want to disconnect a trailer every time they need to charge? But that's so not that's everybody a, who buys a truck tows. So again, you know, it's like eh. correct. I mean, a lot of people tow air, and that's it. But um, it's a, it's definitely a legitimate concern. What I really want to hit on though before we get too far into the weeds is that onboard generator. Um, this is the first time that I've seen because um, it supports V to L vehicle to load. Um, the first time I've seen anybody actually implement it in a way that makes sense. So if you buy the 80 amp 19.2 kilowatt Ford wall charger and you have an electrician install it property properly, um, the car, the truck, as soon as the power goes off in your house, the truck will power your house. Um, Ford says that based on an average of, of typical use, you get three days out of a full charge. If you ration your power, you get 10 days without, wow. without, and then as soon as the power comes back on, the power switches direction automatically, all automatically. And it goes back to recharging the truck. That switching equipment, just the switching equipment alone can cost a couple of grand before you have an electrician to install it for like hooking up a generator. So this does all the things that all the switching stuff to make a generator work works, make to make that work. And, and, and it doesn't, requ- and it doesn't require generator. any fuel, which is another. No, that it doesn't huge require bonus. any fuel. So there, the Leaf used to be able to do that, or did that in at least it was advertised to do that for Je- in Japan, right? It can, but not to that some, automation, right? Yeah, not to that automation, and not in a mass sort of way. You had to have you had to have additional equipment that didn't really charge the car, didn't really do anything mm-hmm. else to. To sort of do it, so Wild. this is the first time in a fully automatic, like power goes out, kick the the F one fifty starts charging the house, power comes back on, F one fifty starts getting recharged. What's um, what's hilarious is in the um, press release for this vehicle, they have like a video called F one fifty Lightning Weekend Road Trip, and like the thumbnail for the image is these two dudes playing guitar around uh, a log. With the F-150's tailgate down and a whole bunch of lights on that they've plugged into the plugged into it, so it's like having like a portable bandstand with you is like the <laughs> the primary use of the F-150's yeah. electricity. Well, I think I think one thing that you got to um, this is gonna really lean into some nerdy stuff, but one thing I think it's important to keep in mind is what we saw yesterday and what's in this press release is the um, the retail customer. 
So it's somebody that's probably going to be a little bit more life than the average. You know, the listeners here, most of your listeners are retail buyers. Um, the that's um, so you're going to see the guitar, you're going to see the the roadshow, you're going to see the TV stuff, you're going to see that um, on Monday when we learn more about that that commercial or fleet version of the truck. You're, the, the the message is going to be different. It's going to be here's how much this will do for this. This is how it improves your workflow. This is how it sort of does that. So stay tuned for new photos. Is what cool. I'm saying. All right. So um, we, we, we is is uh, I mean wrapping up the the um, lightning. Chad, you say you're not sure if the market is ready for this vehicle. What's your prediction on whether people are going to buy it or not? Um, I think that some people are still going to be hesitant because they don't know, they, they don't have enough infrastructure around them. I think range will still be a question for some folks, for sure. But I think that if anybody has the money to throw at a marketing education campaign to get people on board, it's Ford. And it's the F-150. So, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it I, is the biggest wedge in the uh, pickup truck market. So if you're going to use it to try and open up minds to electrification, then that's if 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 they can't do it, then maybe no one can. Yeah, um, that would be that would be how I'd sum that up. In terms of appetite, I've already read a report that says that they've racked up twenty thousand reservations so far. But I mean, those aren't sales; they're just reservations. I just no. tried on the Ford Canada site to do it, and I wasn't able to. So oh. I don't know what that's about. Oh. Um, so let's wrap up this week's, um, podcast. And in order to do that, I first have to ask, uh, Chad to plug a couple of his, uh, or where you can find his work or his publications. Chad, where can we find your stuff? So, um, evpulse.com is one of the places that I'm at. Um, we also just completed the acquisition of flatsixes.com, which is a Porsche fan and enthusiast site. Um, and a lot more to come. So either find me there or on Twitter at Chad Kirshner. Nice. And uh, for listeners of the podcast, if you head on over to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, you will find all of our previous episodes. Um, you'll find ways to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already done so. Um, and more importantly, you'll find ways to get in touch with us. There's a contact form there. You just fill that out and it lands in our inbox. And then, you know, we read it and, uh, we ponder upon your words, and then we probably talk about it in the next episode. Um, in addition to that, Ben and I are both um, available on social media. You can find Ben on Instagram, where he is at Hunting Benjamin. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Um, and anything else we need to talk about? Ben, I think you have one more thing you'd like to remind our listeners about. Sammy wants me to remind you again that Code 45 is coming very soon. It is coming June 1st at 8 a.m. and is launching on Kickstarter, www.code-45.com. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff on the Code 45 Facebook page leading up to it that's giving a bunch of background. If you've missed any of the past issues or you kind of just want to get up to speed, you can find it there. Uh, there's one more thing I wanted to bring up. I just went to – I found the reservations on the Ford Canada website and it is 68000 dollars as a starting price in Canada, and the top price is one hundred and ten thousand dollars for a platinum model. So that has significantly cooled my ardor for this vehicle. 
<laughs> yeah, I think you start with an XLT term there, which is fifty-two grand here in the United States. Whoa. So yeah, so that's kind of sad. Sammy, what are you going to be driving <laughs> next week? I'm actually going to be driving an electric vehicle of my own, uh, the Polestar Two. So uh, we'll be able to talk about that. Nice. Um, I might talk about the GMC Terrain that I'm driving this week, or I might talk about the new Kia minivan known as the Carnival. I think it used to be called the something else. I think we're definitely talking about the Carnival. Okay. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I can tell you, you'll be talking about the Carnival next week. All, All right, right, so I'm so looking forward I to that. I won't be, but you will be. Well, thank you, Chad, for being here. It's always a pleasure, and we really appreciate your insight. Well, thanks for having me on and my writers, and thank you for your contributions and all your support and all your listener support as well.